Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We analyse Daniel Kvyat's remarkable F1 rehabilitation and ask if it's enough for a return to Red Bull. One of the most unexpected stories of the 2019 Formula One season is the return to form of Daniel Kvyat, who just a couple of years ago looked to be out of Formula One for good, effectively his Grand Prix career over. So a great story. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to discuss Kvyat and also the wider Red Bull driver ecosystem, we should say, is famous Russian expert Oleg Karpov from Motorsport.com Russia. Hello, Oleg. Uh, good morning, Ed. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say if it's a morning or evening or something, but yeah, hi. We can we can say morning. We can yeah. let people know a little bit behind the curtain. Yeah. So uh, an, an unusually early morning podcast recording this one, but it's uh, it's what fitted in well. But just in general, you know Kvyat well. Obviously, you're both Russians, and all Russians know each other, as we know, because there's not many of you. But this this is a great story for him, and he he does seem to have come back just a completely different driver doesn't he and that podium he got at Hockenheim a few weeks ago has just sort of confirmed that to the to the wider world well I wouldn't say he's a complete new driver or complete new human being or something like that it's just a bit of a cliche something what we like used to say from the beginning of the season since Dr. Marco told us oh yeah he's a different driver but yeah I think there is a little difference which in the end makes a big difference in his results well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because he was always a quick driver, always very able, but just struggled to string together those full weekends and get the get the overall results. And that seems to be the area where he's really stepped forward. And in a way, as a as a Grand Prix driver, it makes him a, a completely different proposition, doesn't it? In terms of the effectiveness. Yeah, exactly. I think he scored more points now than uh, in all his three seasons in Toro Rosso before, from 2014 onwards, and then to 2016 and 17 and he wasn't that bad in the first year but now it just tells you the difference and Toro Rosso didn't become suddenly a top team I think people tend to forget how good he was in that first season in, in 2014 inevitably he was he was thrown in from from GP3 so he was still quite young and inexperienced but 
he was up against John Eric Verne, who had a lot more experience. But when Sebastian Vettel decided to go to Ferrari, it was a it was a bit of a no brainer for Red Bull to pr- to promote Kvyat. So I guess you're saying you know, he's not a completely different personal driver in, in that regard. No, it wasn't that he was a complete failure first time round. Yeah, and absolutely. Then suddenly, he's totally different. Absolutely, and I think w- that's what people tend to forget. His uh, first season was not too bad. He was very uh, good against Jean-Éric Verne, as he said, uh, as you said. And then his first season at Red Bull, yeah. Also, you can argue Daniel Ricciardo had a little bit less luck on his side, but then Danny scored uh, scored more points through throughout the whole season, and that can't and that can't really be like that. He had a bad season, you know. He's been, I would say, much better than what we're seeing now with Pierre Gasly. And I do think people really forget that when they think, yeah, he was thrown out of the Red Bull after one season and a half. And that's for many, is enough to conclude that his stint at Red Bull was a failure. But I don't think it is. If you look at the points score, he got 95 points over the season. Daniel Ricciardo's 92. Points don't tell everything, but while... I wouldn't argue he was stronger than Ricardo over that season. That's still a good season in really difficult circumstances because people think of Red Bull in this this V6 hybrid turbo era as picking up the odd win, being fairly strong, nipping at the heels of the top teams. But the 15 was a really poor season. They didn't win any races, so it was really hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was the worst season for Red Bull since 2008. Yeah, and Renault really struggled that year, and they had a lot of they had a lot of penalties both and. Actually, Daniel himself had a lot of bad luck as well. He didn't start the race in Australia. His engine blew up in uh, China. So you can say, yes, Ricardo had a more of those kind of unlucky races. But Daniel also had his fair share of bad luck. And he still finished uh, ahead of uh, Daniel. And I think as well, his, already his sixth race in uh, 2015 was in Monaco. And he finished fourth ahead of Daniel Ricardo And... He had the races like in Mexico when he was fighting for a podium for most of the race. And people forget that. And I think, yes, simply because of the fact that in the beginning of 2016, he was dropped. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that that sort of base level, shall we say, that people tend to think of two ways of Grand Prix drivers. They're either good or they're bad. And it's never that binary, is it? And I think that level, certainly in his first year with Toro Rosso and then those that year and four races with with Red Bull, it was, it was absolutely fine. It was on an upward trajectory. The... The complicating factor is his reason for being dropped from Red Bull Racing was less about how badly he was supposedly doing, despite the disaster at Sochi when he hit Vettel twice in about 10 seconds at the at the start. That that was unfortunate, but it was all about Max Verstappen, wasn't it? The meteoric rise, Red Bull needed to keep him happy because there were other teams sniffing around. They had to get him into the top team. And unfortunately, Kvyat was the, the full guy really in that regard, wasn't he? I think yes, he played a bit of his uh, role in that too. In yeah, because he had a couple of really bad qualifiers that year in Australia and Bahrain, and then uh, the pace in China was not too convincing. And then this Sochi race was a bit of a mess. But still, I think the main factor was that Red Bull needed to promote Max, and I believe not only because of the huge potential Max had then, but also I think they understood that they had this huge potential, but it wasn't really proven. And I think they also wanted to give him a chance to uh, be in the top team and to show what he's capable of uh, doing against of Ricardo. And actually, that was the best choice for them, to put him in the middle of the season and really see what he's really capable of. Because up until then, he had a season against Carlos Sainz, who, uh, Sainz, who was also new to Formula 1. And then, yeah, that was a win-win for them. But unfortunately, of an expense uh, of throwing out uh, Daniel Kviet or placing him into Russell. I think that's a good point with with Verstappen, that it, it did benefit them to see what he was capable of and, and actually how much they really should stake on him. And as we've seen what's yeah, happened since, they've now basically bet the farm on him. Red Bull Racing is Verstappen's team. Verstappen right from the start, obviously, won in Spain on his first outing. Now, that 
that was actually uh, almost a, a race of tire management, wasn't it? Which people yeah, t- tend yeah. to overlook with Verstappen. He did a lot of work at Toro Rosso on understanding how to get the best out of the tires, manage them over the race stint. So he was able to to basically beat Ricardo in that race because Ricardo, I think, did a three stopper, didn't he? And Verstappen did a two. I think it was two and one. Yeah, two and, one, and yeah. I think exactly it just showed them how hard they should fight for this guy. And yeah, he showed them immediately. Yes, I'm I'm a future world champion, and I think now. Everyone is convinced. Even like he had a lot of haters, let's say, in Russia because of what happened. But I, I do think now it's really hard not to believe that this guy is something special. And yeah, of course, saying that Daniel didn't really deserve to be demoted that time because his first season at Red Bull Racing wasn't that bad. And, you know, they could have given him more time. But at the same time, yes, it was the right decision. Yeah, you, you can't really uh, argue with it. But obviously, yeah, ended up in this situation where he went back to Toro Rosso. And, and this is, I think, where it really did start to go wrong for him. Yeah, and I think that's just that has something to do with, uh, like, from his point of view, he's done nothing wrong, almost nothing wrong. He, he had a f- very strong first season with Red Bull Racing, and it was his second season in Formula 1. He was He's done well. He scored more points against uh, Ricardo, and he... I mean, in his place, everyone would have felt, yeah, I need more time. I deserve it. I just uh, was faster than the guy. Not faster, okay, but I scored more points than uh, the guy who was faster than Vettel, arguably. And, yeah, was next be- uh, was next big thing for Red Bull. But he had only four races in 2016, and then he was back at Toro Ross. And at this stage, this is really when it went wrong for him. And this is really where he can blame himself that's the thing isn't it i mean people will will kind of blame it on what red bull did to him but you know he had a he had all the way through till uh till austin the next year yeah so basically almost almost two seasons worth a season and a half I yeah, guess, season with, and with half. races okay. missing the way so he had enough time to react to that understand it to regroup to get back on top of things yeah and he just didn't it wasn't that he was slow it's just he couldn't he just could not string things together, and his results yeah. overall were, compared to science, were, were were terrible. Really, yeah, just too frustrated, maybe too angry, not able to focus on uh, his new task, on to regroup a little bit, and even understand that nothing is lost, and you can really, yes, circumstances are like this, yes, you can be frustrated, but not for a season and a half, maybe. Yeah, you'd accept a few races of him being down and it's like, oh, career's ruined, but you're still in the game, aren't you? Absolutely. Has everything to play for. But, yeah, I think he just couldn't get out of the circle of being frustrated and angry and all these little things didn't help, like some mistakes or some some bad luck and, like, it's just, like, terrible one and a half years. It's it's kind of that mental weakness, isn't it? He wasn't able to put it all behind him, and you still see him even in 2017. He talked about, oh well, at Red Bull, I was able to beat Ricardo. So it's like not getting that just out of his mind and focusing on what he could do. But I think that I think that slight mental weakness was always maybe there. We maybe saw little hints of it earlier, just sort of occasionally some strange reaction to things when he didn't quite quite deliver. Not not overwhelmingly so. And I think with that second Toro Rosso stint, that's where it seemed to kind of become the overwhelming characteristic and if you look at the points totals when he was with science it's something like science was j- just over 90 points i think if you got eight in that period yeah when they together yeah definitely daniel had four in 2006 and four in 2007 yeah. when they were uh competing against each other with science and then he got this last point for toro ross in 2017 in that race in austin yeah but he was brought yeah. back after a couple of races yeah. on the uh on the bench, but it's, that that's the interesting thing because he did almost. It's almost like once he realised Formula One was over, and I, I spoke to him the, the other day, and I said, "Well, basically, in this period, you had failed in Formula One because you weren't, in, and you knew that there was a very, very small chance of ever getting back." And when he came back for that Austin race after a couple of races, one of his best performances of the second tour, also. Yeah, fresh mind, no pressure, and I think we can really understand like how frustrating he could be in this 2016 and 17 because, you know, yeah, I don't think any driver in F1 had that kind of pressure because 
since Max stepped in this store, Russell Car, everyone was talking like, yeah, it's a future star, he's a future star, and how great he is, what great overtakes uh, it makes. And, you know, Daniel, I think on the back of his mind, he didn't tell that, but yeah, he understood, yes, this is the guy who potentially will take my seat. And he was up against Ricardo, a proven winner. So you could really understand, and being Daniel, I think he did really understand that Verstappen, sooner or later, will be promoted. And I think that kind of pressure is not easy. And then to particularly, particularly when you're young and inexperienced. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Two years in Formula 1, or uh, 21 he was, or something like this. And it is a lot, a lot of pressure. And I do think that, I don't think that many drivers would really react differently to what happened to him in 2016. And I don't know if anyone would be able to recover faster. And that's actually, we should also mention, because, I mean, it was a difficult, difficult start of a well, Formula 1 career for him. Yeah, yeah it was, sadly. I mean, I think... I, I certainly think that re the reacting badly to it was understandable. I think maybe some drivers might have got it back onto an even keel faster, shall we say. Yeah, it took a bit long. It took uh, yeah, a bit long. I, th I think that's that. That's but uh, what, I think there was a moment when we almost thought it's over because like in the beginning of 17, he was kind of a fresh and also motivated and... You know, really fast as well in but the beginning of the season. Wrong. Yeah, but things kept going <laughs> not, wrong. Not, and the, not his thing, yeah, it? Car things. Yeah, absolutely. And that shows his weakness at that time because he really let these kind of things kick him in the nuts because he forgot to protect him. And then things started to go badly. Uh, and I think that's when he earned his reputation of being a torpedo because he started to almost trying to win every race at the start and he crashed with uh who was it fernando i think in austria then um on the first lap they had a clash with carlos and by that point he was already far behind carlos in the championship and i think he let the pressure yeah affect him yeah, yeah. Just yeah. i think you make an interesting point there actually the you do wonder what would have happened if 17 had started without those those car problems because he he was quick and actually I was concerned when he came back this year I remember doing a piece for for you guys in Russia yeah sort of arguing that maybe he's not it's not the right place for him to come back basically say that I think Kvyat's good and I'd like to see him have a second chance but my fear was that if this season started badly in a similar way even if there were just a few races where things went wrong it might just pitch him back a couple of years and just eliminate all the progress. But fortunately, that's that's not happening. It has been tested because I remember just yeah. the other day that in Bahrain this year when they they called for the wrong tire set number and he was sent out in. But Q, not only Q2, that, you know, things like he was sent out on, the, on old tires, which is yeah. a stupid error. But he just he just dealt with it. And better. he can, and he has all the right to be frustrated about it. It's like well, things were happening. Era, yeah. Things were happening. Like he had this stupid clash with. Uh, uh, two McLarens at the start of uh, of the race with uh, in China, and he was given a penalty which fifty percent of the public still thinks he didn't deserve. And then I think I think that was harsh. It was a crowded track, getting a little bit out of shape. Yeah, yeah, in, exactly. In conditions where two drivers had spun on the warm up lap as well. So yeah. I think yeah, a little I bit think, harsh. A I think harsh. I think now with the regime, we've, the the kind of man, mindset we've got now, it might have gone down as yeah, bad for McLaren drivers, but not their fault. But an honest, an honest mistake. Three races in a row. This class, uh, clash with uh, McLarens in China, this uh, quality thing in uh, Bahrain, and then finally Daniel Ricciardo reversing him uh, into him in Baku. Oh, it was around, hilarious. Yeah. And I, I mean, three races in a row. And in, in Daniel's place, you would have felt, oh, oh, come on, it's starting again. And maybe at this point, he was really tested hard. And we could really see how much of a mature driver he is. And I was actually more impressed... Uh, not in the next three races, but straight after the race in uh, Baku, when he had his media session, like I think in half an hour after after the race, and he was fine. Uh, I think you probably remember him reacting uh, to much less of a uh, crazy things uh, in his previous career, and he was angry or he was doing the statements you wouldn't really expect, and he was like almost shaking during their interview. And yeah, in Baku, he said, oh, no, we were teammates. I'm fine. 
things happen. Of course, I was surprised because everyone would be surprised. Everyone would be pissed off. But yeah, he was calm. And it was like fourth race of the season. He still had one point on the board. And Alex Albon had three by that time. And you could really think, oh, yeah, this could could go wrong again. But next three races, bang, three three times in Q3, all in the points and very clean, very mature races, great overtakes. And that's where we really can see the difference and where we can really see, uh, say, yeah, he's more mature. He is capable of handling this kind of situation. And I think that shows a lot. Yeah, the, the point you make about the how different he is after bad races or bad sessions or whatever he's much more kind of even shall we say he can he, he is just a little bit relaxed it's not that he's not taking it seriously yeah it's just he's not taking it too seriously because what what drivers have to do is understand and digest and learn and then that's behind them you can't make up for bad things that have happened yeah and you absolutely to, you and they will right. keep happening and they will keep, everyone, and yeah. you have to you have to react to them and i think this year and this daniel that second version or whatever it is he reacts to these things much more in a better way than he used to do. But I think partly what we have to mention as well, that that stint in Toro Rosso in 2016 and 17, he wasn't helped by the fact that he was against Carlos, the guy who's who's already beaten in GP3, and he, he really thought that is past. And then he came well, back... You remember, yeah. Kvyat beat Sainz to the Toro Rosso seat in 14. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think really Carlos was con- in, a, in a contention for that seat, because not, not, he wasn't not, winning races. He wasn't, no, no, yeah. no. Not, not seriously, although yeah. Mar- Marco, I remember speaking to him at the time, he said, well, we had to consider Antonio Felix da Costa, we had to consider Carlos and Danny Kvyat. And he, the, interestingly, the reason Marco put some in, I remember speaking to him, I think it was in Monza, he said that the, the overwhelming reason is all three of those drivers had had problems that season, two of them in GP3, one in World Series. And he said, uh, he said that, that Daniel was the one who responded best to bad things happening. Yeah, at, absolutely. Which kind of with what happened in Formula One is a bit of a surprise. But that, that was, the, that was the, the, the thing that he said was overwhelming in deciding to put Kvyat in. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And that season really showed uh, what he's capable of. The other thing we have to bear in mind is that that sort of rebuilding process. Uh, I was speaking to him about this the other day, and, and he said that it did all because everyone sort of said, "Oh, Hockenheim podium, he's back." No, no, he's been back all season. And actually, and I put this to him: the fact that I felt it almost all started in Austin in that 2017 race. After yeah. it, benched for a couple of races, knew it was all over. He knew he wasn't going to get any more races. For, uh, certainly by Sunday, he knew that wasn't really going to. You know, uh, it's a bit exaggerated, but almost the best example is that like. This, were, uh, this was one of the races when, uh, you know, everyone could get a chance and, like, chaotic race. Uh, yeah, rain, as always in the rain, everyone can bat on slicks or, you know, do the right tie choice and, you know, everything. And you have to stay in this game. And the previous race where Daniel had this kind of a chance was uh, in Singapore 2017. And where was Danny? Danny was in the wall. Yeah, and in fact, Singapore seven teams. That science had a very strong week weekend, didn't he? In his last I, think he tour, finished, so I think fourth, he finished. I think he finished fourth. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. just that miss. And actually, science has a really good knack for picking up those big results, particularly in the Toro Rosso era. Absolutely, because they're not they're not always really there. But that that Hockenheim performance, we should say for for Kvyat, the the key was that that move on to slicks. But he had already he he'd not made errors in that race. He was already on for points, and although he wasn't doing quite as strongly as Alex Albon, who who I would actually argue probably had the stronger race of the two Toro Rosso drivers. Absolutely. But Kvyat still didn't make the mistakes. We saw loads of drivers, big name drivers, chucking it off. He kept going. They made the call at the right time. And then when he did get up there, he passed Stroll yeah. to get Which that effectively. Which Valtteri didn't. Exactly. With Bottas, yeah. Well, Bottas, he was talking about it the other day. He said, well, I was, yeah, I was struggling a little bit. And then I was sort of, I knew I had to press on to try and catch him. And he, he crashed in a Mercedes trying to catch yeah. him past Stroll. Absolutely. And it's almost tells you like uh, what kind of uh, season he is having and it's uh, you know passing stroll you can't really take it away from him and he's been very good this year in in this kind of things like overtaking guys straight uh, after like pit stops or something like that exactly when he needed getting the first chance using it like it was the same with you know overtaking uh, Kimi in turn 4 in Barcelona after his pit stop Kimi was on an all tires but you have to do it fast to make your strategy work and bang around the outside of turn 4 
and then previous Danny would, would, would have crushed, I think. And yeah, of course he was fighting Kimi, and I think he understood that race. Yes, I'm fighting against Kimi, and probably I can do such a such a crazy thing against uh, Raikkonen. Maybe he wouldn't have done it against someone else. And exactly. That's good judgment. Yeah, exactly. Like, very good judgment. And he made the strategy work, scored a lot of points. Again, he finished in ninth, I think, in Spain. Anyway, then uh, same happened in Canada. Last laps, he he's following uh, Stroll. They're catching up signs. And he's using the first opportunity to to overtake Carlos and he, because he probably understood he wouldn't he won't get a second chance and he done it like the first attempt very mature very very calm exactly what happened with Stroll Stroll made a little mistake and Danny you basically used his first opportunity and he went away yeah it's about nailing it in those in those key moments that makes that makes all the difference I think that that whole process he had said going back to Austin just trying to rebuild himself and working on himself. Obviously, he had the Ferrari uh, role in 2018 when he was a uh, development driver. So he he was kind of their second simulator driver, I guess. Giovinazzi was kind of the frontline one, but Kvyat did a lot of work there. He was working with people like Vettel. Out of out of the Red Bull environment, still with a foot in Formula One, Not nobody was really talking about him as a, as a prospect for a drive for the first half of the season or so on but he was working away rebuilding himself having that break and he said actually that break was really important yeah i think so you just don't have time to to regroup and, and rebuild yourself whereas actually he could specifically work on himself as well as doing his job for ferrari and that seemed to be just just the use of that time that he had and he knew it was a long shot to get back in and then of course all these things ha- happened with red bull basically red bull ran out of drivers they needed someone with a bit of experience and it says a lot that they did go back to this to, to this guy who had who had failed. I know, I know. Red people say Red Bull had no other options. They did. There's a yeah, lot yeah. of other drivers out there. They didn't have to have a Red Bull affiliated. Absolutely. A previously affiliated and driver. I totally agree with you. At this point, I mean, if if I was Doctor Mark and if I was thinking about, uh, yeah, like not losing my face, first of all, I I would have kept Gasly and Toro Russell. I would have kept uh, maybe Hartley too. And I, I would take Carlos from Renault and would bring him to Red Bull. Everybody would understand. And no one would be blaming Red Bull for lacking drivers in the in the junior program because, I mean, he would have done it easily and everyone would have understand it. And But he still decided to bring Danny back. And at this point, you really think he, he must have been a genius move to really release him, release all the pressure and tell him, okay, have a rest. If you mature enough in a year or something, come back, speak to me. You'll always get get a chance. Maybe the hope of that was able to give him a little bit of a just that thing to focus on. I guess wasn't it? That's what he needed. That long term <laughs> objective. That maybe it was just vaguely possible. But even then, it did require quite a lot of things to fall his way because it needed Ricardo to go to Renault. Of course, they decided to promote Gasly. Decided not to bring Science back. Obviously. I think the not bringing science back decision was primarily rooted in the way that science had forced that loan move to Renault. And I think that was less a driver performance decision. Although science actually last season, that's probably his less, least impressive season yeah. in Formula One, but he's, he's right back on it this year with, uh, with McLaren. But still, he was an option. I mean, he yeah, of course he was. Yeah, yeah, a very realistic option. But all these things happened and Hartley hadn't really worked out. He was doing a similar thing of actually his pace often was pretty good, but he struggled to string things together. And then, he he actually didn't react to that brilliantly, and so that they sort of fell out with with Hartley. And funnily enough, Hartley's gone to Ferrari now for for a, a development role. But all these th- these things happen, and then suddenly there's the opening that Kvyat probably in his heart of hearts thought would never really present itself. There was a tiny percentage chance. Yeah, and he actually called Marco himself. Yeah, give him a credit for this as well. You can only put yourself out there, can't you? And, yeah. and I think the fact that what you can catch her with Kvyat is he does seem to we always talk about mental strength and that kind of thing you never really understand exactly what's going on in someone's in someone's mind it's hard enough to understand what's going on in your own mind half the time <laughs> but you can see that whatever he did he understood what he needed to do he did work on himself and he has he has come out more robust and that and that as we talked about has been tested repeatedly this season I think that's the really positive thing that he's kind of a bit of luck has played its part but he's done everything he could possibly have done to maximise his opportunity and to be ready, which is, I think, the, the really 
just that's the really impressive thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like he had bad races as well. He had bad weekends. Like in Silverstone, he didn't have the pace. Alex was much faster. And Alex is a guy who's doing his first season in Formula One. But I mean, it is inevitable. Sometimes you will have these bad weekends. But he still managed to score points. He managed to save tires in the end of the race. And where it was a crucial moment, he delivered. And he still finished in the points. And I think... The Kvyat before, the Kvyat who we've seen in Toro Rosso in his second spell, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do that. And obviously, it just becomes a compelling, sto- compelling human story because of that. And obviously, the within twenty four hours before the, the, the Hockenheim podium, he had his first daughter. So just all these things just seem to kind of come together. I think that it's like first time round, he was a much less mature driver and now he's just almost a, a kind of proper rounded human being <laughs> that's just a slightly strange way to put it it's but. Just absolutely incredible what is happening like this uh yeah hockenheim weekend exactly those 24 hours i mean if you're danny Kvyat, you've got to be thinking like am i in a sort of a truman show or is anyone <laughs> filming because everything like it seems like everything is happening in his life like no one had such a career not a, not in Formula One, promoted to a Toro Associate at 19. Then after one season, replacing Vettel, four times world champion in Red Bull Racing, everything is going well. And then bang, back to Toro Rosso, out of Formula One, then back to Toro Rosso. And now everyone is starting talking again about him maybe going back to Red Bull. Yeah, that, of course, if it did happen, would really complete this amazing story of a comeback. But before we really dig into the Red Bull driver situation, I just want to look ahead to the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. Uh, so we can tell everyone about a, a new racing experience from our friends at Motorsport Live. See the Italian Grand Prix, it's a huge, huge race, famous circuit, long-established, Temple of Speed, all that. It really is a place that has to be seen to be believed. It's a sea of red. It's one of the most atmospheric Grand Prix on the calendar. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Obviously, it's uh, it's got the banking there. You can, you can get down to see, and it's got that that uh, it's got that real history. Some circuits renew themselves all the time, but Monza is just steeped in that history that goes all the way back to well beyond the World Championship, starting in 1950, even. So we're offering the chance for the Italian Grand Prix from the 6th to the 8th of September for you to join the Tifosi and experience the Grand Prix from the Alfa Romeo Racing Grandstand at Parabolica. That's a corner where really the drivers and cars are put through their paces. It, it's not it's it's a quick corner without being one of the super fast ones, but for, for me it's one of the most challenging and interesting corners on the calendar. It's fascinating to watch the cars and drivers and how they approach that. So as part of this deal, you can get a three-day pass for just €199. Euros. That's a special deal for Autosport podcast listeners. This is be a part of Alfa Romeo Racing that you're buying into. It's it's more than just turning up and sitting in a grandstand because you also get an Alfa Romeo T-shirt, a cap, a racing flag and a lanyard. So you really feel like you're, you're there with Kimi Räikkönen and Antonio Giovinazzi. So if that appeals to you and you fancy booking tickets, uh, obviously there's a limited number available. Head to bepartofalfaromeoracing.com. So that's bepartofalfaromeoracing.com. That's all, all one word, no dots or dashes or anything. There'll also be a link in the in the show notes. So well, let's get back to uh, to what we were talking about. And Gasly struggling in Red Bull. They said they won't change him this season. There's a lot of logic to that, and I think that team can afford to take that approach because it's Verstappen's team. They're not really fighting certainly for the constructors' championship anyway. So really, the we can't rule out they'll make a change, but probably they won't. But next season there is a drive there up for grabs, and there's various drivers. Obviously, Gasly's the man in possession. He can still do enough to to make sure of it he's he has improved recently but there's still very big question marks over his overall performance level and capacity to kind of master it so then you've got you've got Kvyat and Albon and Toro Rosso as options and there's always other options around the field that were Red Bull to want to change so that's what it comes down to I mean how how seriously do we take Kvyat as a Red Bull racing option for next year should we say or even this year yeah, exactly. And I think um, like the fact that they're willing to give Gasly time, uh, time he really needs, because it's like, really, it's also his second full season in Formula One, and it's understandable that he's struggling, he's up against one of the strongest guys in the field, you can arguably, the strongest one currently, and of course he's struggling, and Red Bull, in this situation, 
understandably is willing to give him time and Christian is very supportive and even Dr. Marco making that statement to kind of release the pressure a little bit. For me, it just shows that 2016 swap was all about the need of promoting Max because Danny wasn't as bad as Pierre is now. Actually, if you think of it, like the difference between Max and Pierre is much, much, much bigger than the difference between Danny and Danny Rick in 2016 and 2015. And that kind of shows you, yes, Red Bull, if they would have a chance to give Danny more time in 2016, he would have gotten this time. Uh, And yeah, but he should forget about this now. And I think he's totally over it. And for me, I think he's absolutely one of the contenders for the seat. Yeah, he has to be. I don't think there's no doubt he probably would do a better job than Gasly at this stage. Gasly's problem not being quick enough is one thing, but it's the it's the mistakes at key moments that's been a problem. Two crashes in preseason testing when they were very light on spares. The second one ruined Verstappen's last day in in, in the car, and then just things like we had the brand new monocoque in in Hockenheim, and then on Friday he he damaged it straight away. Just bad. Bad timing. Yeah, really. It's a lot of pressure on Pierre now. Exactly, you yeah. can understand as as well. And but he's a, he's he's a quick driver, Gazi. Last absolutely. year there were some really impressive performances, and I think I mean we talked about Kvyat being distracted by other things last time around. But Gasly, as I understand it, you know as well as his confidence taking a hit, he was almost convinced that his drive was doomed pretty early on, and that's something Red Bull has worked really hard to just convince him. It's like, look, look, you have got this drive for a period. You know, it's not going brilliantly at the moment, but you know, don't worry about losing your drive tomorrow. Just just do what you do. And it's all about just getting the drivers into that mindset of just doing their job. Because I think if he's able to exclude everything and just get on with it, that'll help. And he struggled a bit with driving style. And and I think it took him quite a while to buy into what he needs to do. He's actually pushing harder than Verstappen, braking later, inducing understeer. Yeah. All these things that work on. So I don't think we should complete... I don't think we should write off Gasly as doomed yet because i think there is a driver in there who's capable of doing it or they wouldn't have put him into the car in the first place but yeah he's certainly on the on on the on the back foot but the interesting question for me is with Kvyat is would would that team want to go back that way would they would they just say well we've been down that route it was fine it wasn't it wasn't a disaster but do do red bull racing really see Kvyat as as a guy to put in there and a lot will depend on the dynamic they want in the team. He might not be the guy they think he's going to... They still might not think, oh, he's world champion material because while we've been very positive about what he's done, I think he's shown he's a a very good Grand Prix driver. I don't think he's made a 100% case that he has to be in Red Bull racing, even though I think he'd do a good job. So I think it all depends on the Red Bull mindset. They've been willing to give him the second chance. Will that extend to putting him back into the A team and kind of going back down the path they've already gone down? I actually absolutely don't see any problem with it. If you think of it, yeah, he had a... Well, if you think the way we, we were talking, talking now about the change being, first of all, the reason for a change being uh, the need of promoting Max. And if you think of it, yeah, I think why not to bring Danny back? Because he didn't, he wasn't able to finish, he wasn't given time to finish, uh, finish his job at Red Bull Racing. And that might be even a brilliant story for Red Bull. I don't think it's to be a good story. Yeah, yeah I don't think uh, there is any problem in it. More or less, I think it it will be an easy decision for me. Uh, and yeah, why not to give the guy a second chance uh, who didn't really fail at the first attempt, who was thrown into such a difficult period afterwards, and still, I, I'm convinced a lot of people at Red Bull Racing have a lot of sympathy for for, for Daniel because true. of everything what happened, and he's a likable character and. He's a funny bloke, and uh, a lot of people in the garage still like him. And funny enough, when uh, there was this podium in Hockenheim, like all of the mechanics who were uh, who were around that podium, they all knew Danny because all of the Ferrari mechanics. He also worked with them last year. They were, and he was. Everyone was congra- congratulating him. And I think for Red Bull, it's a win-win situation. If they bring him back, it's an amazing story how they rebuilt the driver gave him a second chance and i think it's even it's not losing face it's uh it's it's kind of a movie 
it'll come down to a few key management people, won't it? What does Christian Horner think about it? What does Dietrich Mateschitz think about it? And obviously Helmut Marko. I think Helmut Marko probably would be happy to do it. Um, I don't think that'd be a problem. And I think the interesting question is, let, let's say if you create a hypothetical situation where they've decided Gasly isn't the guy they want to keep going with, and it does narrow the options. And basically the two options they've got are Albon and, and Kvyat. And I've been, I've been very impressed with Albon this year. But he is he is still a raw, quite a raw driver. He's only got one year of experience. And I think he should definitely stay on at Toro Rosso. But I, I think if it's a choice between Kvyat and Albon for next year, I would lean, I, I would say you, you should go with Kvyat because he's got more experience. Let Albon have a little bit more time to to just play his way in, have two, three seasons. So he is, he is ready. And while promoting Kvyat and Gasly early were both forced by driver departures that Red Bull couldn't control, I think it's made, it wouldn't be logical to put the experienced guy who's doing the job in alongside Verstappen. Yeah, I think this is exactly the reason why we won't see any changes soon. Because all of them, they can just sit down and watch what these three guys will do. If Gasly recovers, if Gasly is fast in the second half of the season, why not to keep him? If uh, Daniel keeps doing what he's doing now, beating teammate constantly, showing good results and proving again and again and again that he's a different driver, then... I think it will be an easy choice for everyone in the Red Bull. And if Albon is stepping up and he's he's really impressive young driver and we wouldn't expect it uh, from someone who almost got out of the junior categories uh, last year and he I mean he he renewed the contract uh, with Dams I think every every race uh, and really I mean, he could have disappeared from the from the uh, ladder as well, but now he's showing he's a very capable driver. And some of his drives, and actually, if we speak about the last two races in Hockenheim and Silverstone, he was faster than Danny at some points in Hockenheim, definitely in the middle part of the race, and in Silverstone almost the whole weekend. I actually thought Albon's race drive at Hockenheim was the best of anyone because he was the he was the driver who was he was pretty much up there all the time. He he, along with Vettel, were the well, the first to pit when that uh, when that there was the initial um, safety car and more call. impressive, like first time in the wet. Uh, yeah, first time in the Formula One car in the wet. No mistakes in the race. He was always up there, and I think he was the one who kind of maximised his chance and actually finished sixth in that race. And and he he should have been a couple of places higher at least. And in a in a funny way, he almost deserved the podium more than Kvyat did. But that's that's he's got every right to be disappointed about that. Yeah, and, and he and he was, although he did have the clash with Gasly. Uh, late on, which obviously he moved right, just as Gasly was moving right. I think that's fifty-fifty. I think. Uh, I, I think probably Al moved a little bit late, but Gasly also, if you watch his onboard, he wasn't quite as he didn't. He should have left a bit more margin, and yeah. So I, I sort of think you, and I think Red Bull have taken that position. It's like, can you just not do that in future? But we're not going to haul anyone over the coals massively uh, for it. So that that it does create an interesting situation, and I think were we to see a Verstappen Kvyat. Lineup. I mean, I, I see nothing to say that Kvyat can be a Verstappen level driver, and that's not to be negative about Kvyat because I don't think there's. I think you've got two standout drivers in Formula One, and it's Hamilton and Verstappen. Verstappen, since that Nadir of Monaco last year, where, where I think he finally realised he just needed to stop, stop making the errors, stop driving at one hundred percent. He crashed at FP three, and he lost a Monaco Grand Prix. Probably a better, probably a fifty percent chance, if not more, of winning the Monaco. Grand Prix and that I think that impacted but Canada onwards the next race he's been fantastic so I'm not saying that as a negative because I don't think short of Red Bull signing Hamilton I don't think there's anyone they can really put in there who can be consistently at that level of Verstappen but what Kvyat can be is the guy who's there in behind him on his day you know that, that sort of level picking up the points because if you if you want a situation where if Verstappen can win the championship next year you want Kvyat to be able to be second or whoever that's, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, yeah, that's possible. I think, yeah, going to Red Bull, being more or less of a second driver than Max, then Max being frustrated about lack of chances to win the title, goes to Ferrari, and then suddenly in 21, Red Bull builds a winning chassis and Danny wins the title. <laughs> that's completing the, the brilliant return. We can see the uh, the Russian outlook coming, uh, coming through there. But yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, he can certainly he's certainly capable of winning races. There's no doubt whatsoever about that now. Yeah, if the circumstances are right, I'm convinced. Yeah, he would do it. 
and I don't see any reason not to not to take him. Although, yeah, I have to say that they really are right to give Gasly time because, as you mentioned before, he's a fast driver, and actually, this is the first season when he he's struggling with uh, qualifying performances because it was never bad for him. And I remember in uh, GP2 times, or, or he impressed really. Like we're here in Hungary and uh, I remember, what was it, 2016 when Gasly was uh, going for the championship and in Hungary he was half a second faster than the second guy in quali in Hungary, which is very impressive. And the second guy was Sergei Sirotkin. I remember speaking to him uh, after the quali uh, and asking like where the where the hell all this uh 10th went and he actually told me yeah i don't really understand how how pierre is capable of doing such a time and i think if gasly is given more time he can really recover and he he has this potential to be almost as fast as max and ahead of the season i was almost convinced he, he would do the job and he would give uh, a bit more of a headache headache to max than he's giving now but I think I, I thought the same actually. I thought he would be capable of. I'd have said like in the first four races there'd be one weekend where he outqualified him, and it, yeah. it, it has not. I mean, he has got. Uh, I think it's still on average the worst average deficit to his teammate over the season, which is. I mean, even when your teammate's Max Verstappen, that's, that's yeah. This is the most surprising thing. It's not surprising that he's losing to Max in in racing because due to the brilliant Max's time management and you know all of these experience, but the quality. Yeah, that's a little bit disappointing. But let's wait and see. I think uh, Pierre has all the chances to to get it back. And we should remember he has also, he, he sometimes had these little phases in his career, not quite to maybe this extent, but when he, you know, he had that big long period where he didn't win a race between his final Formula Renault two-litre win and then when he finally did get back to winning ways, which took kind of a couple of years, but he was always up there. But Super Formula initially took him a little bit of time to get going. Then he almost won the championship, and he might have won the championship in seventeen, but for the Suzuka finale being being washed out, he had every chance of uh, of doing it there. And so you kind of hope that for his sake he's able to weather this. So it's it's one of the interesting things with with drivers, though, isn't it? That you know, even though Gasly had a few periods where he wasn't quite delivering at the top level, it wasn't it wasn't like 18th all over the place. But often the first time these drivers who have stellar junior careers really, really are up against it and are really struggling is when they're confronted with it in Formula One because the level's so high, sometimes they're not in the best machinery. And, you know, the first time Kvyat would have really had those struggles would have been in Formula One. And suddenly you're used to being one of the best guys in everything. And then suddenly you're just you're just another guy driving around who just people people are writing off and Sort of similar thing for exactly, for, for and the whole now. world, whole world is watching, and you kind of failing, and um, yeah, it's different kind of pressure. And I think yeah, the way each each guy goes for it, it really determines the 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 career of the driver in Formula One. Yeah, very much so. I think that ability to deliver, and again coming back to Kvyat, that's what's impressive that he has. You know, there's still that pressure still there this this year. It's not like there's no pressure. Just having having failed and gone away and come back doesn't mean he, he doesn't care, doesn't mean it doesn't matter. You know, what he does with this opportunity defines the whole course of his life in many ways, certainly professionally. So the stakes are as high as they ever were, but it's just that capacity to, I guess, handle it. And that and that will be that will be a big, big factor, I guess, for Red Bull in terms of making their decision. And we should say we've talked about Albert and Kvyat as Albert Kvyat and Gasly are the sort of three Red Bull racing options for for next year. But there are other drivers, if they wanted a stopgap, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso, yeah, I think uh, they've got quite a long. I mean, there, there have been a few talks with Red Bull and Fernando Alonso in the past, but I think they're very wary about. <laughs> I, they, they won't go there, but you know, there are drivers. If you wanted to slot in a stopgap driver who could do a good job, Nico Hulkenberg, say he's out of contract with Renault, gets on well with Verstappen, not a disruptive driver in, in a team, so actually probably could could slot in well. So there are options there. They're not wedded to having to have drivers in the Red Bull program. They have brought drivers in from outside the Red Bull program before. I mean, Kvyat actually was from outside the Red Bull program at the time for this year. Yeah, but I don't see any reasons after that podium in Hockenheim. Honestly, I don't see any reason to look outside. Take take Hulkenberg. The guy, brilliant speed, like, we all know everything about Nico Hulkenberg. 
throwing all the chances to be on the podium, why would you give him a chance to be a Red Bull racing driver and not give it to the guy who finished on the podium with the Toro Rosso? Yeah, well, exactly that. That Hulkenberg could have been on that podium, and it was. No matter what you say about that runoff area in Hockenheim, obviously the, the start of the drag strip all slicked up. It wasn't the only driver to get caught out, but you know he did get caught out, and he he ultimately threw away a, what could have rather been a great result. Yeah, and it did happen a couple of times before. So yeah, into Lagos, twenty twelve, the famous one, a race he was fighting for victory, and okay, he was overachieving massively, but. Even so, he made a mistake. A couple of Baku races as well when yeah, everything yeah. was at stake and then um, Nico is also in the world. He, he is really frustrating, Hulkenberg. I really do rate him, but yeah, I, th- I think you're probably you're probably right there. So I think Kvyat would be a... He would be a he would be a very interesting option for come on Ed, for, for agree. Red Bull. Well, for me, it's, it's, it's different. It's different levels of it. It's what, what would I do? What would Red Bull do? I've still got that slight suspicion that there might be it's not so much losing face but they might feel actually we've we've gone down that route before do we want to go down that route again with him or do we want to do something else that that's the only thing i'm just wondering and certainly if you look purely at performance if you look at his performance this year he is if you take those that group of three drivers gasly kvyat alban the best season of those three is kvyat yeah for so me far, if if no if if at the end of the race, we have exactly the same picture. If Kvyat is doing these things, again, scoring points, consistently consistently being fast in quality, doing occasionally Q3s, and then if we still see that Albon is not ready and after a season, you can't really ask for that. And if Gasly keep, keep, keeps doing what he's doing now, I, I see that Kvyat is now, currently, is on pole position for that team. And if it stays like this until the end of the year, I think they 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 will they really can take him and yeah going the same route twice yeah don't see it as a real real reason not not to not to do it. It's, it shows that Red Bull are in quite a good position because they've got these drivers they can fill those seats no problem they're not having to fight with other dri- with other teams for for people's signatures etc so they can afford just to sit there and then move them around at the end of it you know they could they could if they if they don't want to put anyone promote anyone into Toro Rosso they could put Gasly back there yeah. for example if they want to exactly then want why, to why not to do it yeah why not to do it? put put Gasly back you, you know, well, Daniel shows uh, you can recover from it and then if you Take it carefully. If you explain it, okay, you need one more year. Look what happened to Daniel. You have all the things to play for. Just come down, learn, and then you might be able to get a second chance. And it's not like they're they're fighting for a top driver now. They have a top driver. And I think, well, now we are almost certain he will stay with Red Bull for at least 2020. So they don't need... a like a top top guy and to be honest yeah we, we're speaking of all these options Gasly Daniel and Alex Halbon as well it's not like Ferrari uh, and Mercedes sneaking around them and trying to convince no all these three guys their their chance for a top team is Red Bull Racing and yeah Red Bull has time to to look at all of them and all these three guys have a lot a lot on stake as well because for all of all of them, as I said before, yeah, this is the only chance to actually have a car which is capable of winning racing and uh, winning the title in 21. And, and I think you're right, it, work, it works for Red Bull. Verstappen's the spearhead, so actually they, they do want kind of a support act uh, Verstappen, but a support act isn't just someone who's behind someone that they need to support them. And I, I'm, I'm a great believer that you need a driver who is not just subservient or whatever or behind their their team leader but they need to be there able to take points off title rivals etc this is kind of what Valtteri Bottas has been having to try and prove with Mercedes this year because last year he didn't really do that and he slid down in the championship in the uh, towards the end of the year and it was just he just wasn't supporting properly he was doing one half of the job for Hamilton and that he wasn't bothering Hamilton too much but he wasn't supporting him pro- properly so that you know with, with a caveat there's no question he can he can do that for Stefan. so I think yeah, obviously, you've you've laid no your colours to the Kvyat Marcel. I think certainly, if you're making a decision now of those three, you probably do have to say, yeah, actually, Kvyat is the is the guy to put in, which would be a, just a sensational. So, and I'm sure Kvyat, he'll be he'll be working very hard not to think about it and not to worry, because what he wants to do is just focus on his process, 
you focus on it's why drivers always say this terrible thing about oh well we take it step by step because they're just trying to focus on doing the job and then the results emerge from that but i'm sure in a quiet time he'll sort of be thinking yeah well i've got yeah i've got a chance here yeah i I think certainly yeah yeah and this this will be another kind of pressure for him as well in this he will be tested again in the second half of the season and that will be an exciting thing to watch it's strange isn't it because i guess he kind of came into this season with nothing to lose and then gradually you start doing very well and you do have things to lose and then that tests you again and then you get put back into the top team another test you're in position to potentially win races that's another test and And another test to be a max's team and it's a huge task yeah exactly because i mean even if you kind of accept okay i'm going to be a number two driver but you really as a racing driver natural thing you think yeah i I really want to win race and then well rebel would probably want to um give max as much support as as they could but even uh, if you're a second rebel driver you always want to win i mean we should just finish i'd be interested to know get your perspective on the popularity of of a driver like daniel kvyat in in russia i mean i know in formula one is it's kind of a minority sport in russia it's not a massive massive audience but is he a is he a sporting star? Does, does yes, everyone know him? I would say so, and simply because of the fact that there's always something happening to him. It's like you can see almost in the in the analytics in the Google uh, how he performs in that way as well. It's like he's the guy. Like all kind of stories happening around him, and I think he's a little bit more than a Formula One driver in Russia as uh, Vitaly was and Sagi was last year as well. So kind of, you know, after the podium, everyone, pretty much everyone knew that he finished third in Hockenheim. And yeah, what a turnaround that would be uh, if he's back to Red Bull. It's yeah. already, it's already, if you, if you read the news in Russia, so it, it is really discussed if he's going back to Red Bull. Because you were saying, yeah, that's not likely. But in Russia, everyone is convinced he has every chance to go back. And basically, that would be an amazing story for for Russia, uh, Russian motorsport and the popularity of Formula 1 in general. Well, that's, that's a positive thing. And you know, Russia's a big country, and it'd be good to... Uh... To, to get the popularity there and yeah i guess that the compellingness of the story isn't it everyone likes to see the the sort of story of somebody it's, it's a classic yeah, it's, three, it's a classic story. three-act it's structure amazing. isn't it you get your first chance and then second act everything's yeah. lost all's lost and then you're back uh but well thank you for your for your russian insights oh can you your actually i was going to say flag waving for the uh, <laughs> flag waving for the soviet unions i like to, my pleasure uh, my pleasure it. but uh yeah it's good to get uh get some insight from the uh the russian perspective do check out autosport.com for all the latest news from the world of Formula One. Also, our plus subscriber area for in-depth analysis, columns, features, that kind of thing. Autosport magazine, of course, out every Thursday. Check out sister titles, motorsport.com. And, of course, motorsport.com, Russia as well, if you're uh, if, if, if you're familiar with the language. It's a, it's a slightly baffling one for me, and Google Translate doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, give a, a perfect translation. But, yeah, check out motorsport.com, motorsport.com, Russia. F1 Racing magazine is out monthly, and Motorsport News out every Wednesday. Wednesday. and of course if you like this podcast do subscribe like it give us a review whatever you like we're normally out every monday and thursday thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another autosport podcast Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.